Welcome to our podcast. We're so glad you found us. Our prayer is that you listen to this with an open heart and an open mind to let God in. Let's hear this week's message. Well, good morning. This is the third week we're going to be teaching on prayer. It's the, and I could be teaching on prayer every week, but this is the third week in a series. And what we've been doing is going through the Lord's Prayer. And most of us, when I say the Lord's Prayer, most of us can repeat it. Most of us have it memorized. You know, um, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And what we're going to do is we're going to put it up on the screen. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. Verse 9, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, today I want to break this um, message or this passage or this truth about prayer and break it down into segments. We, for the last um, couple weeks, other than Father's Day, we talked about how important it is to know who your father is to understand that your Father in Heaven, you know, we, we call Him, He could be Jehovah Jireh, He could be Jehovah Nishi, He could be Jehovah Shalom. The Father has many names, all right? And what we have to understand is that our, our Father who art in Heaven, in His name, or the, when we look up in the Hebrew, what that means is there's identity in it. And so when Jesus said it Beth and, at best to His disciples, in Matthew chapter 16, He goes, Who do you say that I am? He was asking a question. You know, in these questions, they really get to the heart of the matter. You, you know, some of us may be, you know, asked a question, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Well, then my next question is, is what is a Christian? Well, what is a Christian? Well, as a Christian, most people go, well, it's a person that goes to church. <laughs> no, it's not. Although that's a thing that you would probably do, but that's not what a Christian is. A Christian is someone who has a relationship with a Heavenly Father and a mission in this world to do. That's a Christian. And most of us don't even understand how important it is to have a relationship with our Father, let alone walk out the mission that He's called us to do. And so we're going to talk about that today. And again, a couple weeks ago, we talked about how our Father art in heaven and how important it is to acknowledge that how great he is in those areas. It's about acknowledgement. So, you know, when, when I look at Daddy in heaven, my Father in heaven, I acknowledge that he's the head of my marriage. So if I have a problem with my marriage, I'm not going to go to Brenda, my wife, first. I'm going to go to God because he's the head. He's the leader of my marriage. Or if I have a problem with my finances, I'm not going to go to my bank account first. I'm going to go to my Father in heaven, Jehovah Jireh, who's my provider, and try to figure out, okay, Lord, what are you saying? And so God wants to reveal who he is in our lives so that we would be mission-oriented. And so if we had a go-away today, it would be this, that your relationship, that you have a relationship with the Father that's growing and, and, and literally maturing to understand the mission of what he's called you to do. And that's what prayer's for. 
God wants to fill you with a relationship. So, for instance, if I know God as Jehovah Jireh as a provider, and He is my provision, He's going to reveal to me His provision so that I could share with others, most of all myself, that He's my provider. So when I go to the shop, I used to work at Steelcase many years ago. Steelcase wasn't my provision. Although the check was written, Steelcase Inc., but God was my provider. So, you know, some people get frustrated with, what you know, the percentage of bonus or whatever. I never worried about it because I knew that God was my provider. So, my Father who art in heaven, I thank you that you are my provider. Or, or if I'm struggling knowing how all of a sudden I adopted three girls in my life and I didn't have the faintest idea how to raise a teenager, I said, God, I thank you that you know how to raise teenagers. I don't, but you do. So God, I thank you right now that you are wisdom and insight, you are instruction, you are a father to that child. So Lord, I'm going to ask you to reveal what that looks like in my life. Let me give you an example. As I was praying and asking God to be a better dad. Now, I don't know if you dads have ever done that, but watch out because the experiences that you'll have will be different. So as I'm praying about being a better dad and, and trying to figure out how to be a better father, specifically to my oldest adoptive daughter, what happens is, is that I have an appointment at church. I had no idea. I really didn't know this man at all. I, he knew that he was in the church, and he goes, Pastor, I just want to set up an appointment with you. So we have an appointment. It's on my calendar, and he sits right on the other side of my desk. And my, my daughter and I had just had a fight that morning. My oldest daughter and I had just had an argument that morning. And I was really heavy with it. But I was seeking to be a better father. Some of us go over there and say, well, if my daughter was better, I could be a better dad. I realize that's not what God's doing. God wants me to be a better dad before I even think about asking for a better daughter. And so I'm seeking. And this man across the, the, my desk says, hey, I know what your, uh, your daughters are going through. And this is, you got to remember, this is like, I think I've been an adoptive father for about a year. And when that man said that, I was angry. I didn't come across as angry, you know, but I was angry. I'm thinking, how dare this guy say he knows what my daughter's gone through. When my daughter has had watched her father and mother break up violently, to watch them go to drugs and alcohol and then lose custody of them, then go through the foster care system from one home to another. This young girl has gone through so much pain, so much rejection. How can this man possibly know what my daughter has gone through? So as I'm listening, I have no idea it was an answer to prayer. God, help me to be a better dad. Because I was just an insecure man. Because I, I, I thought, well, if my daughter doesn't show me respect, then I'm going to demand respect. And my, what I didn't know was that my daughter just was hurting. Very, very clearly hurting. And so this man, he says, yeah, he says, when I was a, um, a young boy, we had, uh, I had um, 
six brothers and sisters. And I thought, oh, look, it sounds a lot like my house. And it says in um, the protective, uh, you know, the um, custody, the child, what is it called? The um, C- CPS, Child Protection Service, came to our house and took me away from my home, and I never saw my parents, my mother again. I was sitting there listening to his story, and I went, he knows, he knows how my daughter feels. He knows how my daughter feels. And I began to break on the inside. So I listened to this man's story. He says, I know exactly. He says, I remember being pulled from underneath the bed saying, Mommy, don't let them take me. Mommy, don't let them take me. As I was being yanked out of that bed and never to see my family again. I believe there might be somebody even in our audience right now or maybe somebody even watching right now that's gone through that kind of pain. Only God can heal that. Jesus came here to heal the brokenhearted. And I came into this, this uh, scenario and this story of this family, this wonderful young lady and young ladies. I'm, I'm no hero. I'm not perfect. I'm not, certainly not a perfect father. But what God has asked me to do is create environments where God can work. And you know that's what prayer is? Prayer is a space where we ask God and we get in his space so that God can do work. God is looking for you to pray the right prayer. God is looking for you to declare the right things. That's why it says, our Father who art in heaven, God says, oh, right, now you know how great I am. You know how powerful I am. You're getting in the right place. And then you start saying, thy will be done, thy kingdom come. Now you're starting to pray his design and his plan. You're no longer getting caught up with the complaining. You're no longer you know, caught up with all the problems and the crisis. Now you're declaring God's will be done. You see how great he is, and you start declaring his plan and design. Imperative that we understand this. It comes through a relationship that moves in a missional state. So let's get in our study guides. Let's go through this. Number one, God is a king with a kingdom. God didn't get voted in. He's not going to get voted out. He's a king. God is a king and he has a kingdom. Number two, there's an army of angels in his kingdom waiting to be released, waiting to be released through our prayers. I had this funny um, analogy God gave me years ago about prayer. And this is that, you know, some of us Christians, we, I see so many Christians that have no victory. They're just going through struggles and trials, not knowing that God wants them to be victorious. You know, when you think about it, you say, well, God wants us victorious. Yes, he does. You know what victory means? That you're just in a battle. God's not going to keep the battles from you. He's going to give you the victories through the battle so that the world can see that God is for real. That God is for real. And yet, you're, you know, those people that you, in your workplace, those people that are in your neighborhood, those people that see you maybe at the gas station every day, and they see the joy, they see the, you know, they see the, the mannerisms that you have on the, out, on the, on the outside, because that's all they can see, they'll start asking questions of what's going on on the inside, and it's the Jesus that's on the inside that gives us the power on the outside. 
So there's this historical moment that happened in, uh, in these angels or, or awareness of these angels. And it's caught in this uh, passage, 2 Kings chapter 6, 8 through 17. And I know that you don't have it up on your screen, so write it in your notes. But I'm going to read it to you. And then we have just the last part of this verse, all right? God's army is greater than the enemy's army. When the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, we will mobilize our forces at such and such a place. But immediately Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, do not go near that place for the Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God Time and again, Elisha would warn the king so that he would be on alert. The king of Aram became very upset over this. He called his officers together and demanded, Which of you is a traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of all my plans? Not, it's not us, my lord, the king, one of the officers said. Elisha the prophet in Israel tells the king of Israel, Even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Go and find out where he is. The king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back, Elisha is at Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent an army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were the troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elijah. Elisha. Now, I want you, before we finish this historical moment, the, the servant of the prophet Elisha has been part of the message, been part of the answer, been part of the plan of God all along. So he has seen what God has done through Elisha. He has seen that this king of Aram, who wants to have this army destroy God's people, he has watched the strategies unfold and be destroyed over and over through a prophet, through one man hearing God's voice. Imagine this. How many of us would spend time in our prayer closets with God revealing things to us and the things that Satan wants? The Bible says we're not ignorant of his devices and his strategies. We could destroy what the enemy wanted to do in our life because God would reveal Satan's plans. But most of us get so caught up in what we see what we feel, what we experience, we get caught up in complaining about it, get caught up in the fight about all of it, we, we get all ter- you know, stirred up over it instead of getting in our prayer closet and say, God, this ain't a surprise to you. It's a surprise to me. But you're a God that reveals things. My Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You see all of this. You got angels that are assigned to watch over my life. God, you want to help me and assist me to overcome. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this, No trial is too great that has come upon my life that you've not provided a way through this. So God, reveal. And God, forgive me for not seeing it. Forgive me for not hearing it. Now watch this. This is what Elisha speaks to this man of this his servant now remember this this is a servant who has seen the power of god operate how many of us as church people some of us have seen the power of god but we're in the stands we're in the bleachers and we're not in the space of what god wants us to do 
Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up and saw the hillside around Elisha, was filled with horses and chariots of fire. How many of you know that, that those that God has for us are way more than those that the enemy has against us? How many of you believe that? How many of you literally function in your prayer closet? How many of you speak the promises of God in the space of the problems of man? How many of you see, have your eyes open to all his angels? How many of you see that your heart is lit up on the inside? And what we need to realize is that as we were looking at the candle right next to us, that because somebody got saved. This last week, somebody accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Somebody's light now is somebody's life is now being lit up. Somebody's understanding that the presence of God is real. The presence of God is around them. Somebody who didn't the week before now is in the kingdom of God. We should be excited. We should get lit up over what God's just like this servant. He's missing the whole point. The whole point is who God is. The whole point of a trial is because of who God is. The whole space of prayer is to help us with who God is. Let me share a little bit further. Acts 10.38. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God is with him. Which leads us to point number three. Prayer is relational first and missional second. Again, your go away point, if you got anything today, prayer is relationship first, missional second. Your relationship with God should be growing. It should be improving. It should be, you should be seeing who God is in ways you've never seen him before. He should be filling those spots of despair and filling them with hope and faith. He should be filling you with victory even in the space of your crisis. That is who God is. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when you see the Father in heaven, all of a sudden you're going, he's revealing who he is. I don't think there's a person in this room that, when the, that knows Jesus, that knows that when they get to God, that they're going to see things they never imagined. How many of you really believe that when you get to heaven, it's going to be unimaginable? Raise your hand. Do you know that when you pray, that's what God wants to already have in your heart? He's, God is longing to have that space where your imagination, we're made in His. Well, where did imagination come from? I think so many people don't know how to hear God's voice because today all we do is we have no imagination. All we do is sit on our smart device and every imagination we can have is given to us through somebody else. If I'm made in God's image, why in the world am I trying to see God through your eyes? I don't want to see God necessarily. I want to experience God through your life, but I want to see God through my eyes. I want to have God reveal who he is in my life. And therefore, you can't take, I mean, I'm going to tell you, my experience with God, try to take them away. Go for it. You will lose that fight. 
Because God is amazing, and I'm looking for even more experiences with God. Not because I want to be an experiential space with God, because I want to share how great He is. My Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What it's meaning is, we want to share how big He is. And if you don't see God as really big and huge, i got to ask you, how many of you are having your eyes open? Are you just like the prophet's? servant you don't see you see well pastor i i don't see that well let me share something with you the bible says it in second corinthians 4 4 do you know what the devil's tactic is he's he's the little g of this world god of this world blinded our eyes so when we don't see god for who he is it's because in the heavenlies there's a person putting blinders on us And prayer is meant to take the blinders off. So you can see God for who he really is. And then once you see God for who he really is, man, you're going to want to be on the mission. You're going to want to brag about God. You're going to want to talk about God. You can't stop doing it. You just can't shut up about how big God is. Because you just had a revelation of who he is. Number four. The enemy needs to be told where to go. From the very beginning, Genesis chapter 3, we see perfect people with a perfect God. And then this serpent shows up representing the enemy, and he's not told what to do. Satan had access to the space of Adam and Eve's life. Interesting enough, the Bible says that Jesus is the last Adam. Okay? What that means is this. The first Adam let the devil in the garden. The last Adam, Jesus, didn't. In fact, the Bible says very clearly that Jesus says, well, Satan's coming, but he's got nothing to work with. Which means I've got, he's, he's not getting in any space in my thinking. He's, got, he's not getting in any space in my relationships. He's not getting in my finances. He's not getting in my health. He's not getting in my, in my joy. He's not getting in my marriage. He's not, not getting into my, my uh, disciples. He's not getting into my friends. He's not getting in. He's not. He has no space. I deny him the space. Remember that, um, you know, Gandalf, you shall not pass. You're never, you're not coming. So many of us, what we don't realize is Satan works through our thought life. He works through thinking. And so what happens is all of a sudden you get these bad thoughts that come in your head or something, on some image comes on your screen of your TV or some image comes on the screen of your smart device. And what God's saying, shut it off. And all of a sudden, the next thing you know from, you know what? Your, your whole sin nature is lured in. How in the world? I mean, the serpent is getting into our garden of thinking. That's exactly what he did to Eve and Adam. He got into the garden of their thinking. Way before they took the fruit, he got in their thinking. Way before they made the decision to sin, he got in their thinking. It's imperative It's imperative we tell the enemy to get out of our garden. Tell him to get out. Every morning, I tell the enemy to get out of my marriage, out of my church family, out of my leadership in this church, out of my businesses, out of my kids and my grandkids. Every single morning. 
Get out. I take authority through the blood of Jesus and the authority of Jesus' name. They have no access. You may not. You are denied access. And then I asked Jesus every single morning. I said, Jesus, please come into those spaces. I invite you in, Jesus, to the garden of my marriage, to the garden of my grandkids and my kids, to the garden of this leadership of this church, to my businesses. I invite you in. And I find that so many Christians are not exercising the authority that God has given. And number five, Jesus' manual and prayer instructs us to ask for daily bread. Our food should be getting in the Word of God. Why do we get in the Word of God? Because the Word of God is the truth, and the truth sets me free and helps me pray His plan out. Helps me plan and pray His plan out. So, Father, I thank You that You have a plan for my marriage. I thank You that You have a plan for this church. I thank You that You have a plan for the leadership. I thank You that You have a plan for my finances. I thank you that you have a plan for, for what, you know what, what's going on with my kids and my grandkids. I thank you that you have a plan for what's going on, on outside and even tonight. I have no idea what God's going to do through the men's event at 530. I'm just asking God to move in my heart to be ready for it. This last week in discipleship, um, my son-in-law, Dan, he's in one of my groups, and he, he shared something that just really touched my heart. You ever have it where all of a sudden you're just spending time in prayer, or you're spending time in God's word, or maybe you're around God's people, church or whatever, and it just feels like someone just, just a, a bolt of light came inside of you. Just all of a sudden, boom. You just feel like a truth or a thought, an impression, just all of a sudden, just something just literally came in. Well, it was one of those moments. And, and Dan said this. He says, yeah, there are three prayers that I've learned um, that really have changed my life. And I'm listening to him, and he goes, he says, the, the prayers of search me, O God, break me, and send me. Search me, break me, send me. And I began to, you know, kind of do like one of those, um, you might say, introspections of my life. I didn't have those right words. But I thought, that's, I've, I've done that, Lord, many different times. Maybe I didn't have the exact terminology, but God's searching me and know me. See if there be any wicked thing about me. And so when I'm struggling in my marriage, I don't look at what's wrong with Brenda. I look at what's wrong with me. Search me, God. Help me be the better husband. Show me your ways. Or if, as a pastor, search me, oh God. And then break me. How many of us don't, you know, we're, we're in the same place, thinking the same thoughts, doing the same activities. What God would call that in the spirit realm is stubborn. And the Bible says that stubbornness is a sin of idolatry. Don't ever say, well, I'm a, you know, you're, I'm a stubborn person. Don't ever do that. Because that, what that means is you're an idle person. That means that, you're not, that what you're doing is you're speaking over your life, that you're stuck in a way that not God can even move in your life. 
Don't be stubborn. Break me, God. Break me means I am never going to be stubborn, God. I'm always going to be changing. God, I could live till I'm 92 years old and something's still going to be changing in my life. One of the greatest things that my, my kids, one of the greatest honors that my children will offer me is say, Dad, you're always changing. You're always improving your life with God. And it's really, they'll even say that about my marriage. They go, God, your marriage is still better, Dad. Thank you for noticing. Thank you for watching because it's not me searching, God searching in me because there's things that will, I'll do wrong, things I'll say wrong. And then there's break me, God, I don't want to be the same. And then send me. Help me to be the, the husband you want me to be. Help me be the pastor you want me to be. Help me to go to the, the gas station across the street and say the right things to them, that are those attendants that call me Pastor Ron. Help me to say the right thing. Six, Jesus' manual on prayer commands us to forgive. Real quickly here, just a couple more points in this prayer um, manual, how I call it, a prayer manual. Commands us to forgive. If there's one area where I have seen lives always, and I'm going to use the word always, and I know you're not ever supposed to use the word always, but I will use it in this, in this context. Always is this. When they are offended and they literally allow resentment and unforgiveness to rise. In that space, what happens, you've just opened the space of the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy. You say, well, Pastor Ron, they, what they've done is, is terrible. I've, I've met with people that have been habitually molested as children. I have seen people abused and verbally abused in marriages. I've been around a lot of pain where I've watched cancer kill people that I love. I've been around a lot of stuff where people have been blamed, and I've been, I personally have been blamed for things that I never did. And I need to be in the space of forgiveness. And the best way I can share that with you and the way the Lord has helped me see things revealed to me is when I had somebody that owed me $14,000 many years ago. That $14,000 be probably closer to $25,000 now. So imagine somebody owes you $25,000 and you're struggling with it because you feel cheated and, and robbed and you want, your, you, you, wanna, you want them to pay you back. And what happens is, is that um, God opens up this thought to me, this impression. He goes, Ron, what would you do? What would you pay for somebody to get saved? And I know that Jesus paid for all our sins. I can't pay. But he was just throwing a question at me. I just had to say, he goes, well, I... I, God, I'd, I'd do anything. I'd sell everything I have so somebody gets saved. He goes, no, you won't. He says, you have a price. I go, no, I don't. He says, you do. It's $14,000. And what God was saying is that I was retaining this resentment inside because of somebody owing me $14,000. Now, maybe it's not money for you. Maybe you feel entitled to love and someone hated you and used you. Or maybe it was a promotion 
Or maybe it was just something that some, but what there, there are things and events that happen in our life that are, they're very hurtful. And God says, you must forgive. And no matter what it is, and it doesn't let them off what they did wrong. God still knows what they did wrong. It lets you off. You're the one in the space. I have found many people that have offended me, that I have forgiven. They're completely not even mindful of what they did wrong. They don't even know what they did. And you know what? At first, that angered me. I thought, you should, you know, I want to let them know. And God goes, that's not your place. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. What we don't realize, and I'm going to be teaching this in the weeks to come, there are spiritual pavements inside of your heart. There's roads of righteousness that God wants to bring inside of your life. And we can damn them or open them. And that one road, one of them is forgiveness. Forgive and you shall be forgiven. You must forgive. It has nothing to do with what they've done. And if you have been hurt and molested and cheated and and lied about and accused, I get it. I get it. You must forgive. That's why Jesus said in our prayer, forgive them as as you have been forgiven. Jesus' prayer instructs us to ask for leadership in our lives, deliver us from evil. For his is the kingdom and the power. I love how this prayer is completely Goes, it starts out with our Father who art in heaven, hallowed by the name, and then at the very end of it, it ascribes to his greatness all over again. I remember when I was really insecure as I started as a pastor, when I first got in the ministry. And it's funny, when we're really insecure, we say just kind of weird things. And I remember people come, oh, that was a, a great message, Pastor Ron, or that was a really cool thing that you shared. And I go, don't you know, don't, don't say that about me. You know, to God be all the praise. And, and I, I hurt people that would just, they're just trying to love me. And I was so insecure because I didn't know how to be loved. And you know how you know how to be loved? Because here's the thing is, when the Bible says love others as you love yourself. I didn't love me. And so when somebody would share their love to me, I'd get all weird about it, awkward about it. And therefore, I really struggled loving others. It was then that the Lord really showed me how simple it was. He goes, Ron, if they share that, encourage you and say a nice thing, just say thank you and then give it to me later in prayer. For thine is the kingdom. Thine is the power forever and ever. God, I know where that come from. If I ever did say anything great, if I ever hit the mark, I know it's not me, it's you anyway. For thine is the kingdom and thine is the power. And so if somebody says you're doing a great job parenting or somebody says you're a great job as a wife or a husband or somebody says you're doing a great job in the ministry or serving or doing a great job, just what you need to do is say thank you. Because you know it's Jesus that did it in you anyway, Amen. And then in your own prayer closet and time, say, God, I am so glad you make me look better than I look. You make me smarter than I am. You make me give her better than I am because it's you that does it in me. I'm made in your image.
Thank you for that, God. I give you all the honor and the glory that's due your name. That's the Lord's prayer. So God has given us these tools of power in the Lord's prayer that God wants us to learn. If you want a victorious life, right in the model of the Lord's prayer, there it is. But if you sit and memorize the if you just sit, sit and memorize the Lord's Prayer, there's no power in that. Okay? Just like if I, if I went and told the devil, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he make the, I, I could sit there and just throw that scripture right out to the devil. There's no power in that. The power is in the revelation of who God is in his word. He gave you the Bible to reveal who he is. He gave you prayer to reveal who he is. He gave you worship to reveal who he is. He gave you giving to reveal who he is. He gave you serving to reveal. Everything is about revealing who he is. Why does he want to reveal who he is? Because you're made in his image. And so if you don't know what he looks like, what you're really saying is you don't know what you look like. So he wants to reveal who he is so that you can be more like him. Amen? Father, I thank you so much for the space of truth. You're such a great, great daddy. We love you, God. We long for more of you in our life, to reveal who you are to us. With your heads bowed and your eyes shut. If you're not ready, you're not connected with Jesus as your Savior. You don't have the revelation that from, that if you were to pass from this life to the next life, if Jesus were to come right out of heaven like he promised right now and, and rapture his kids away, if you're unsure that he'd take you, then this moment is for you. Whether you're watching us right now online or whether you're in this audience right now, Jesus' love right now is knocking on the door of your heart. Eternity is in the space of this moment. And all you need to do is say yes to Jesus and invite him in. If that's you this afternoon and you want Jesus to become the Lord and the Savior of your life, you want to invite him into your heart, I want you to say, I want you to, to acknowledge by raising your hand and say, that's me, Pastor Ron. Would you please pray for me today? Is there anybody that's in this room and say, I want to acknowledge Jesus as my Lord and Savior right now? Give a moment. I see that hand back there. And that hand over there and that hand over there. Thank you. Thank you. So here what we're going to do is we're going to pray with them. And if this is that prayer that you make as Jesus your Lord, I want you to realize at the end of the service or even while we're worshiping, let us know. Let us walk beside you. Let's pray this prayer with us. Say, Father God, come on, church family. Father God, in Jesus' name, I surrender my life into your hands. I receive your forgiveness. Here I am. I'm all yours. In Lord Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up and worship our King together. Thanks for listening. If you made a decision to accept Jesus into your heart, let us know on the app or on our website mylifechangechurch.tv 
We'd also love it if you subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends. We hope you have a great rest of your day. God bless.